0: I come with your righteousness on my humble offering to bring. Isn't that glorious that glorious? You may be seated. Coming to faith in Christ by God's grace, cleansed of all sin, as it were, metaphorically speaking, clothed in his righteousness. Our record before the bar in heaven is his record. Not because we deserve it, but because he does. So trust and rest in Jesus and believe the good news of your full and free salvation. Turn back to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, if you would. We are finishing up chapter 9 today. This will be a little different type of sermon. More like, think of it as a yearly checkup type thing or something. You go in, the doctor tests your blood pressure and your pulse and all of that. Well, we want to to have God periodically test our spiritual pressure, test our spiritual heartbeats, test and show us how we're doing in following Christ, whether we're following Christ, and if so, you know, how is our spiritual health? And that's that's the kind of thing I had in mind. Um, You can pray for me because when you're preaching through a book like Ecclesiastes, there's a fair amount of repetition, and so. You don't want to preach the same sermon over and over when you get to that repetition. So how might you take that and preach it in a a faithful way, but a a new and and different way that's profitable? So it's kind of what I was struggling with this week, and uh, we'll see where I have come out here in a minute. But Ecclesiastes chapter 9, we'll begin reading in verse 11 that we looked at last time and read through the end of the chapter. This is God's word. Pay attention. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with, a few, with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor and wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. Credit doesn't always go where it, Belongs, doesn't it? But I say that wisdom is better than might. Though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise, heard in quiet, are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Thus far God's word, let's pray together. Lord, we bow before you and just pray that you would open up our hearts, that you would search our hearts, that you would know us and try us and see if there be any wicked way in us, that you would lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. If any of us do not know you savingly, either here in the building or on the grounds or through the live stream or on the recording, Lord, we pray that you would save Deliver, grant conversion to those who don't know you. Those of us who do know you, grow us in grace. Make us more God-centered and God-enjoying than we were before. Focus us and root us and ground us in Christ so that our life, every element, every aspect of it is shaped by Christ and being his disciples. Lord, we praise you this morning and pray for your blessing on the preaching and the hearing of your word. It is your word. Minister to your people with your truth. Empower me to preach it. Empower me to get out of the way <laughs> and take your word and transform us with it and empower us to hear it in faith, to hear it with purpose and endeavor to apply it. Lord, we give you praise and honor and glory and look to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's a feeling I get when I look to the west and my spirit is crying for leaving. In my thoughts I have seen rings of smoke through the trees and the voices of those who stand looking. That's you. And it's whispered that soon, if we all call the tune, the piper will lead us to reason and a new day will dawn for those who stand long And the forest will echo with laughter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it makes me wonder, if there's a bustle in your hedgerow, don't be alarmed now. It may just be a spring clean for the May Queen. Yes, there are two paths you can go by. But in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven, 1971. And although most people have no idea what most of that song really means, not even the one who wrote it, <laughs> there's a couple of lines in it that caused me to pick it, and one's, uh, you know, the piper leading us to reason, but it's really, it really was the last one. There's still time to change the road you're on. As long as you are taking breath on God's earth, there is time to change the road that you're on. And the checkup this morning is, are you on the right road? What road are you on? And is it the right one? So we have two roads to consider. Solomon is causing us all through this book. You'll see it in Proverbs. You see it a lot in wisdom literature. The foolish road or foolishness road and wisdom road. Which one do you live on? Which one do you travel on? And if need be, there's still time to change the road you're on. See, in, in Ecclesiastes, and we're nearing, I guess we're, we're getting close to being through anyway... And we're going to come up on some more wisdom sayings in chapter 10. And this kind of sets the stage for that and and, uh, talking about all of that. But what Solomon's been doing really is trying to get us to know where we live. Where do you live? Do you know where you live? He's talking about life under the sun and it being vanity. And we've talked about that Hebrew word, "hevel" that that means temporary, a wisp, a vapor. It's not lasting, it's not enduring, it's not sufficient. Every, the world that you experience with your senses is not sufficient to sustain your joy, peace, purpose, happiness. You have to look above the sun. So that's what Solomon is doing, shaking us and saying, look above the sun, look above the sun, look above the sun. You can't find satisfaction here. You'll be like Mick Jagger. I try and I try and I try, but I can't get no. Lasting, true satisfaction. And today as we're coming up on, we've talked about death coming to all. We've talked about enjoying life more than once. We've talked about, and we're beginning to talk about, or we are talking about wisdom better than folly. Uh, and we're going to look at uh, briefly, just real briefly, look at these verses. And then, then I want to ask you a question this morning. I want us to believe the fact that wisdom is better than might or... You fill in the other places we might look to sustain us and ask ourselves. I want us to take a test this morning. And and we're going to just briefly work, go through the text. There's a lot we've already talked about. There's a lot that we will talk about. We're going to just see the main contours of this text and the main sort of point that this text is making. And then we're going to sort of give ourselves a diagnosis. We're going to look at the characteristics, and not all of them, obviously, But we're going to look at some characteristics of the wise. And what I want us to do is ask ourselves, am I wise? And ask God to show us, am I wise? Lord, show me, am I on wisdom road or am I on foolishness road? Am I on the right road or do I need to change the road that I'm on? And so that's kind of the point. This morning, and we'll seek to let Solomon be another line from the song to be the piper that leads us to reason. So, my main point is really just the question you see up there. It's it's a point of consideration Are you wise? And to get you to ask yourself, Am I wise? And to get you to take it before the Lord. Lord, in your opinion, because that's what matters, am I wise? Am I walking in Wisdom. Well, let's look at the text uh, quickly and just see, like I said, the, the main point of the text. Um, before we've seen this, um, Solomon has point us, pointed out in many places the weakness of wisdom or human wisdom or the wisdom we can attain. While he promotes wisdom, he wants us to understand that since we are finite creatures, we will never have the... Um, The level of wisdom that will eliminate all injustices, that will eliminate all confusion, that will eliminate all problems. So there is a limit for human beings in wisdom. But it's it's still, it's a a necessary thing to have. It's an essential thing to have and it's an essential thing to grow in. And the point over and over is choosing between foolishness and wisdom. Always choose wisdom. Wisdom in finite minds has weaknesses, but in God's mind it has no limits. He is all-wise. He is able to solve all problems. He's able to rectify all injustice. And He will do so in His time. There will be none of that in the new heavens and the new earth. Until then, He calls us to walk in the wisdom that He has given us in His Word. So look at this text right quick. We'll read just this section again. I have seen this example of wisdom under the sun and it seemed great to me. There's a little city with a few men in it. So you have this very little city that's got a few people in it. There's not many people there. They don't have a lot of resources. And for whatever reason, a great king, you know, great king implies what? Great army, a lot of people, a lot of strength and resources. And this great king comes against this little city. There was a little city with few men in it. A great king came against and besieged it, seeking to overcome it, building great siege works against it to get over the wall, get in, destroy. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. How did he do that? That's what we want to know, right? We're not told. That's not the point. The point is he was wise, and through his wisdom he delivered the city. He got no credit. Anybody but God, anyway. Again, this is a picture of the story. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say, Solomon, the preacher, wisdom is better than might. And though the, even though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard, he says, wisdom is better than might. And the words of the wise are heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. And without wisdom and with weapons of war, sinners do a lot of harm. But not going there this morning. Wisdom is necessary. Wisdom is provided if we look in the right place. So what is wisdom? Well, you know, right use of knowledge for the right ends, all of that. But I'll give you this one this morning. Wisdom is the ability and willingness to understand and live life from God's perspective. Yeah, you're going to have to write that down. It's not up there. Wisdom is the ability and willingness to understand and live life from God's perspective. In other words, to let Him define what is wise, what is right, what is just, what is true. Because He is the all-wise one and He has revealed to us wisdom the ability and willingness to understand and live life from God's perspective. That is the wise person, the one who is God first and gleaning from Him and walking that way and aiming that way. And we've seen seen before that getting wisdom is a must. We've seen how to get wisdom, so I'll just give you a few points. Uh, But to get wisdom, we must desire and treasure it. We're not going to seek it if we don't desire and treasure it, are we, kids? We, we look for the things we love. We look for the things we like. We, we look for what is a treasure to us. If you go read Proverbs 2, you'll see that we're to store up his commands. We're to seek them like silver and gold. We're to seek his wisdom as being highly valuable. So we, we first have to desire it or we won't seek it. So what happens in a person's heart when God saves a person is he gives them a new heart with new desires. So while that heart used to be other-centered, it is now growing in and and mainly God-centered and asking Him what is wisdom and how He would have us to live. So we desire and treasure it. That's, that's, That's what's coming from the inside. We ask for it. That's prayer. That's again in Proverbs 2. I'll let you go read that. And then we seek it in His Word because that's where He tells us to seek it. So the more of His Word that is in us and rightly interpreted, the more wise we're going to be. We're practicing that. It's not just head knowledge. We're walking out what He's teaching us. Wisdom is living life from God's perspective according to His Word. And we grow in that as we grow as a Christian. Foolishness, then, is the opposite of that. Foolishness is rejecting. It's more of a a moral statement, right? It's a rejection of God. The fool is the one who rejects God, who won't look above the sun, who's going to call his own shots. It's a rejection of God and his perspective, his rule, his word. So unwillingness to understand and live life from God's perspective would be what the Bible calls a fool. The fool says in his heart there is no God. and goes on to talk about being a wicked person. We all know when we're thinking rightly there's a God. Just before, before he saves us, we just don't want him to rule us. We want to call our own shots. We certainly want him to save us. But we don't want him to tell us how to live. That's a lost mindset. That's not a saved mindset. There's remnants of it left in the believer that we have to overcome. How do we, what do we have to do to get foolishness? Number one, be born. (laughs) You're born in foolishness. You're born lost, born alienated from God, born with the self at the center, born living and understanding life from your perspective, wanting everything around you to serve you and to go well. So to be foolish, we just simply have to be born and then we continue to ignore God, except for when His Promises match up with what we want. So we want him to be our bellhop and serve us and make our plans work. We want him to give us what we want. We want him to never interrupt what we want. Life should... And we'll say silly things like this. If there's a God, then he would never do this or he would always do... In other words, if there's a God, he would make my life easy and fun. No, actually, (laughs) without grace, if there is a God... You would be in hell right now. But there is a God, and He is gracious and merciful. But we're born rejecting that. We're born trusting in our own understanding. We're born doing what's right in our own eyes. We're the great foolish king who's just seeking to conquer the world instead of the poor wise man who benefited others with his wisdom. See, when we're foolish, we're, trying, we're trusting in our own understanding. We're seeking to do what's right in our own eyes, especially when it disagrees with God's word. It's easy to do what God requires when it's what we want to do anyway, right? There's a lot of religious fools. I'm not trying to insult anybody. But if your stance towards God is kind of boxing him out, that's foolishness. Because He's there and everybody knows it and His creation screams it and there's enough evidence out there to hold you without excuse. There's revelation in ourselves as being created in the image of God. There's enough to hold us without excuse, but we born love and sin, so we stiff-arm God in favor of going our own way. Submission to God is wisdom, rejection of God and rebellion against God is foolishness. There you go. See, in our text today, though, wisdom, true wisdom, God-given wisdom beats might. The wise man defeats the great king in 14 to 16. It's wisdom that won the day, not the man. Wisdom is better than might, verse 16. Quiet words of wisdom are better than shouting. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. Wisdom is better. Period. Always choose wisdom over foolishness. Pay the price to choose wisdom. Wisdom won't always make life easier in the present. Sometimes it will make it harder. If you always want an easy way, that's not a wise way to walk. Wisdom is mightier, it's better, it's more useful. We need wisdom, great wisdom, to live in a fallen world. And that's what Solomon is saying. Know who you are, know where you live so that you'll know your main purpose, and he's been hinting at it throughout the book, and in the end he's going to tell us, is to fear God and to keep His commandments, knowing that judgment is coming. It takes great wisdom to live life in a God-honoring way in a fallen world. And my question to you is, are you seeking it? Are you wise? Are you God-centered? Or are you self-centered? Life tells us. Look at your checkbook. Look at your life. Look at your choices. Look how you use your time. What would your week look like? Listen to it. Because now is when we walk into the spiritual doctor's office and sit down and get nervous and he puts the cuff on us and tests our temperature and all of that. We're just going to look at a few characteristics of the wise with the intent of us saying, am I like that? Does that match me? Is that what God has done in my life? Has he made me this way? So don't don't start getting defensive. Don't box God out. Just ask him, Lord, search me. Am I wise? We're going to look at a few characteristics of that. The first one, and this is the general one, and this is the one we keep hitting on in Ecclesiastes. It's the one we're going to major on in the end. But the wise person... Fears the Lord. Listen to me, there is no true wisdom without the fear of the Lord, even though almost nobody talks about the fear of the Lord anymore. Well, that's because we're mostly trying to please men and not scare them or make them uncomfortable. My job's to scare you and make you uncomfortable, prepare you to die so you'll be ready to live. I love you enough to tell you the truth. The wise fear the Lord. Look at Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Notice the God-centeredness of that. The very start of wisdom starts with fear of the Lord. What's the implication? If you don't have the fear of the Lord, you are not... Oh, come on. If, if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you are not I have to wake you up every once in a while. Some of y'all stay up too late on Saturday night. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, Proverbs says. It's the beginning of wisdom. The psalm we read said that. If I don't fear the Lord, I'm not wise no matter what I claim to be. Well, what is the fear of the Lord, preacher? Well, we're going to talk much more about this later, but just here's a, here's a summary. If I fear God, I trust Him. I love Him. I delight in Him. I worship Him. I know, seek to know Him. I seek to obey Him. I have reverence for Him as God who is holy, holy, holy. The fear of the Lord is to put Him first out of love not just gritting my teeth changing the way he, because he said so that's that doesn't help anybody it's really grasping his grace so that i'm in love i love him and order my life according to what he says because i trust him So fearing the Lord Lord is a a reverential awe of him. Think about it this way. The reformers drew a distinction between servile fear and filial fear. In other words, servile fear would be the fear of a slave. A slave would have of a harsh master. You know, if you're a a slave and you have a harsh master, I mean, every time you get around, you hear a loud sound, you're cringing because you think he's about to whack you. Filial fear is family fear. It, it would be the fear, reverence, love, and awe that a child would have of a good father. Fear of disappointing him. Fear of hurting him. Certainly fear of his punishment when we need it. It's, it's multifaceted. I've said this before. The fear of the Lord is like a diamond. It's multifaceted. It's beautiful. It's multifaceted. There are a lot of aspects to it. But it's, it's delighting in him and trusting him and loving him and lining up life according to him and his word. See, see, if you're not in this book, you don't fear the Lord. Why do you think I'm pushing you to read the Word? Because I just want you to do what I say or I'm a legalist that will get points for that? No, this is your spiritual food. This is how you know God. This is how you live for Him. If you don't like this, there's something wrong with your heart. Just be real about the situation and pray, pray into that and ask God to change that. Maybe you've never read the Bible in a way that with Christ in the center, so it's all just seemed like a lot of rules to you. We can learn to read the word well. But fear of the the Lord is really putting him first out of love in my heart, in my life, in my actions. Fearing the Lord means to be in awe of his holiness, to give him complete reverence and honor. The honor that is due him as the God of great glory, majesty, purity, power, and grace. So obviously to fear him, I have to know him. And to fear him, a fear of the Lord is a, is a, is a bow. is a life of a bow to him in worship and submission in joy, trusting him. Because if he'll sacrifice his son for us, what good thing would he withhold? So the first characteristic of a wise person is that they fear the Lord. in a biblical way of understanding it. Not in a service way, in a servant way, but in a family way. That reverential awe and delight we have that manifests itself in joyful submission to him. Do you fear the Lord? Secondly, the wise treasures God's word. Fears the Lord, the wise treasure God's word. Look at Psalm 112.1, and I love it when things are explained this simply, and when you get what's called apposition, you get a statement made in a comma, and then after that is another way of saying and expanding upon what was just said. Psalm 112.1, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man, woman, boy, or girl, who fears the Lord. What do you mean by that, psalmist? Comma, who greatly delights in his commandments. So an aspect of fearing the Lord is a great delight in His commandments. Do you have a great delight in His commandments? Are you wise? See, that's one of the first things I remember, coming to faith in Christ. And God drew us to Himself. He drew us through His Word. And people around me couldn't believe it. They thought I lost my mind. But I remember that sudden Thirst, that certain yearning, that certain desire to read the Word and to know God. Somehow I knew this is where the answers were. And part of that being raised in a church without being made a disciple. But look at that again. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord. What do you mean? comma? Who greatly delights in His commandments. Narrowing way in, yes, His Ten Commandments. Do you like the psalmist and do you greatly delight in His law, in His Word? Do you wish that your life was completely conformed to it? Do you grieve when it's not? Do you see His Word as treasure and a delight? And do you seek wisdom in it, knowing that this is the source? Are you wise? Do you greatly delight in His Word? Proverbs 2.4. This is from Proverbs 2. I encourage you to go read that. Read all the Proverbs. You can ask yourself this question. Am I wise as you read the whole thing? Proverbs 2.4. Talking about wisdom, understanding, insight from God and His commands. If you start in verse 1. But if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will find it. Why do people search for silver? and diamonds, and gold, because that's treasure. The treasure makes it worth the work to get it. And so many people die on treasure hunts because they're passionate to find the wealth and riches that will come. They love wealth and riches even when they don't have them, so they seek them and are willing to go to great extents to have them. Is that our hard attitude about God's word? That it's a treasure to us. So we mine in it. Proverbs 2 is telling, telling us to be a miner. I remember Dennis Newell putting that hat on, that miner's hat, when he taught that passage. Just a visible illustration of becoming a miner in God's word. Do you fear the Lord? Do you delight in his word? Number three. This is the most important question I'll ask you this morning as far as becoming wise. Number three, the wise believe the gospel and trust God's Son for salvation. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the word of the cross, what is that? The gospel. The word of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So what is the word of the cross? What is this thing that is both foolishness and power of God? It's the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we talked about the question in the garden and the fall into sin and and all of us are sinners and all of us can cannot save ourselves. We need a Savior to come. At just the right time, Jesus came. He was born under His own law. He didn't just come and die on the cross, but He fulfilled all righteousness by keeping His own law. God and man, one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only one to ever keep the law in thought, word, and deed, the only one to ever deserve blessing and not cursing. He kept the law, providing a perfect righteousness for His people, honoring and glorifying the Father out of love. And then He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He didn't have any. Why did He die? Not just for that physical suffering, but God it pleased God to crush Him, Isaiah 53 says. Why? He paid the penalty we deserve. Christ died for our sins. He took the hell we deserve. And he drank that cup dry. And on the third day, proving it all true, on the third day, he was raised from the grave. Victorious. He ascended, he's reigning, he's coming again. Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is is Lord, He is Savior. The, the message of the cross is, and this is, this is why it can get touchy sometimes and we want to water things down. He's the only Savior. There's not another. God's only begotten Son came to save His people and He's provided a perfect salvation. And Acts says in chapter 17 that on the basis of God giving His Son, He commands all people everywhere to repent. To to turn from foolishness in pursuing our own way to God and receive His Son as our Savior. Those who are being saved, look back at the verse. The gospel is the power of God. It is precious to us. We believe it. We can have salvation as a free gift because Christ paid for it. I don't have to earn it. I'm not going to hell. Not because of me, but because of Him. And it's so finished that the Scripture talks about me being seated in the heavenly places with Him. John Newton said, I, I'm, I'm getting old and I don't remember much, but I remember two things. I'm a great sinner and he is a great Savior. Hallelujah. Christ is Savior. Christ will save you for free if you want it, if you'll trust him. So don't protect your foolishness so you don't trust him. Don't love sin so you won't trust him. Because believe me, when this life is over, it's too late. It's appointed for men and women, boys and girls, to die once and then the judgment. And if you leave this life without Jesus, you will answer on your own and none of you have kept the law and thought, word, and deed. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of our righteousness in filthy rags. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in His Son. Kids, are you trusting Him this morning? The longer I live, the more of you look like kids. (laughs) Adults, are you trusting Him this morning? He paid it all. The word of the cross is that Jesus saves sinners through faith in Him. The worst person you know Can be saved this way. You, the best person you know. We're guilty of that sometimes, right? Can be saved this way. The wise believe the gospel and trust God's Son for salvation. The fool says, no, I'll do it my own way. I'm having too much fun now. I love my sin, so don't mess with me. And the scariest thing that could ever happen to you would be for God to give you over. Or to be one of those who here on that last day, Matthew 7, go read it. Depart from me, I never knew you. Why? Because your life was characterized by foolishness, lawlessness, sin. If the gospel, listen to me, if the gospel is foolishness to you, that's not good news. That doesn't confirm you. God said it would be. But there's still time to change the road you're on. Do you see Christ as precious? Is the gospel good news that He died for your sin? Are you willing to turn to Him and have Him for your salvation? Then, if you are, no matter what you've done, You will be completely cleansed and forgiven you will be clothed in his righteousness you will be his child forever and he will make you more and more wise more and more wise the longer you live are you wise do you believe the gospel number four i guess this rolls right out of that one the wise are humble and teachable They don't trust their own understanding. They accept correction from the Word or those who bring the Word. Remember that memory verse last week? If your brother sins, rebuke him. How? Not meanness. In love, with tears, with the Word. I love you, but this is a failure. And repentance is worked through the Word. See, the wise are humble and teachable, and we have to be careful and guard against being unteachable, because pride will cause you to store up knowledge that lacks love and defends self and is unwilling to hear a rebuke, even when it is necessary. Proverbs 9, nine. give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Why? Because he or she is teachable. The entire Christian life is one of repentance. And boy, if we're not teachable and willing to learn, we're off the track. Proverbs, this is one of my favorite verses. It's one of the first ones I memorized. I don't even remember if anybody told me to, but God knew how proud and stubborn I was. And so he took me here. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 7. Trust in the Lord with most of your heart and lean on a little bit of your understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths or direct your paths. Look at here. Be not wise in your own eyes. That's foolishness. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. The wise turn from evil, the wise are teachable because the wise have been humbled by the grace of God and the gospel. Can you take it when somebody comes up to you and says, you have offended me this way? And can you be like Christ when you take it? Or when someone comes up to you and says, I see this sin in you. Look, I'm showing it to you in the word. I love you. I'm praying for you. I I can't stand doing this, but God wanted me to come and and help you here. How do you respond to that? If your first response is knee-jerk and getting mad, you're off track. My first response should be to be humble and listen. Because even if all of it's not true, some of it might be true. And even if none of it's true, but I've projected that, there's something to address here. Humility and teachability are the fundamental things of the Christian life. Please, if you're not teachable, don't go into the ministry. You will ruin not only yourself, but everybody around you but you won't make disciples. Be careful, parents, that you are humble and teachable so that you don't raise proud, foolish kids. Kids, be sure you're humble and teachable, willing to be corrected by God, willing to be corrected by your parents, even when it doesn't make sense to you if it's in accord with God's word let me just give you cuz i'm running out of time a few other characteristics of wise people and this comes from the word and mostly from proverbs the wise are kind and merciful they don't have a slide for this so you'll have to write it down the note taking is important where's your pencil even if you write it down and throw it in the trash on the way out the door you'll remember more Just a challenge. Remember, I'm supposed to make you mad. (laughs) The wise are kind and merciful. The wise are forgiving. The wise speak truth and make sure they're speaking truth, not just because somebody told them. The wise are slow to anger. 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 We justify temper fits sometimes, don't we? Well, it's just the way I am. I'm just going to tell you what I think if you cross me. Well, you need to take that to God. Because the wise are slow to anger, like Jesus is with you. The wise are peaceable and soft-spoken. Not that there's never a time for firmness. We saw that in Jesus. The wise have a gentle spirit. The wise favor God's approval over man's. This is just a sampling of what you'll find just in the book of Proverbs, much less the rest of Scripture. Are you wise? And you say, Well, let me say it this way Are you wise? Are you foolish? And if you're thinking, you'll say, Uh huh. There's still a lot of that needs to be rooted out. And it looks different in every one of us. But if we're a Christian, we should be mostly wise and seeking to root out the remnants. If we, you know, every once in a while, a fool hops into some wisdom just by accident like a squirrel finds a nut, you know. <laughs> Broken clocks right twice a day, so be careful. But as I was thinking about this question, are you wise, it led me to the question, is the spirit at work in you? How do I know that I'm a Christian? How do I know the Spirit's at work in me? Because sparks are flying from my hair? No, fruit of the Spirit. Look at this list. This is a description of the wise as the Spirit creates them through the gospel in Jesus. And I did have a slide for this. The fruit of the Spirit. Now, now Lord, am I this way? Are you at work in me? Now, watch this. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Love. Joy, peace, patience. Yes, even with your kids or your spouse or me this morning. (laughs) Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's what the Spirit produces in the heart and life. Remember, it starts inside out, heart and life of those in whom he's at work. That's what Jesus modeled for us. That's why we're reading the Gospels. You see that? But that's a good prayer list right there. It's a good thing to take before the Lord. Am I loving like you? Am I joyful? Am I peaceful? Am I patient? Am I kind? Am I good? Am I faithful? Gentle? Do I have self-control? Am I wise? Because the Spirit produces wisdom in those that He saves. If I really know Jesus... If I'm a follower of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus, I'll be growing in these things and putting off the things that don't match, not justifying them. Because all this looks and sounds like Jesus. Aren't you glad we have a Jesus who has died to pay the penalty for our sins, who forgives us when we confess? when we see our foolishness and we take it before the throne of grace, God, I have sinned against you again. He's gracious and merciful. If we're in the wise one, we will be made like the wise one. And it'll all be by grace. Justification is a work of grace. Sanctification is a work of grace. That's why we're memorizing those questions in case you don't know where that comes from. If the Spirit's and work, it work in you, these will be true of you, and you'll be growing in it. So are you a wise person? Do you fear the Lord? Do you love God's word? Are you trusting in Jesus alone? And does your life look like that general list? Growingly, right? Did you pass the test? Important point. Think back to school, or maybe you're in school now. But I remember in high school and other, other phases of school, Um. Did you have to be perfect to pass the test? No, no, no. There was a grade scale, right? And I don't know if they've changed it, but it was 70 and above when I was in school. 70 to 80 was a C, or 70 to 79, 80 to 89 was a B, and, and on up you go, and you get to pluses and minuses and all that stuff. See, do you pass the test Can you see God working these things in you? Is He convicting you about the the foolish side and working in you the wisdom side? See, some of us may come away from this sermon horribly convicted about some stuff. Just praise God if that's true. Don't get mad. Praise God. His Spirit's at work in you. Listen to Him. Put off what needs to be put off. Yeah, you may just barely have passed the test. But if you made a 70 or above, you knew you were growing. And you could remember a lot of what would been taught anyway, and you had stuff to work on. I didn't make many hundreds in high school Anyway, own the fact that there's only ever been one perfectly wise person on the earth, and that's Jesus. And he had to grow in it. Amazing. Luke 2.52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor in God with, with God and man as he grew up as the second Adam, loving God and loving his word and hiding it in his heart. Don't forget he was human. One person, two natures, truly human, truly divine. So if you find yourself on Wisdom Road, maybe struggling but growing. There's some encouraging news, but there's some bad news. I'm convicted about the bad news and encouraged by what God is working in me. If you find yourself on Wisdom Road, be encouraged. God's at work in you. Press into it and depend fully on His grace in Christ. But if you find yourself on Foolishness Road, don't get mad. At anybody, you, you did it. God didn't do it. I didn't do it. But repent. Turn from it. You need a new heart that submits to the Lord, that loves the Lord, that seeks to honor the Lord because of His grace. Today can be the day of salvation. Will you turn to Jesus and have Him be your all in all? your Savior, your Lord, the one you follow, the one who shapes your life by His Spirit making you look more and more and more like Him. What must I do to be saved? Believe on, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. What did He say to all the disciples? Follow me. Follow me on the road of wisdom. Trust me because of grace in your life. Allow me to shape. You, even when it hurts because as the song said and this is good news too there's still time to change the road you're on there is a true stairway to heaven stairway way not that we earn it but the, sta- the real way to heaven is looking to the Lord in faith trusting Christ alone growing and thinking and walking his way Growing in wisdom so that we're on wisdom road. Let me get that back for you. Wisdom is the ability and willingness to understand and live life from God's perspective. And the first step to that is repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we don't stop there. We keep walking. power of the Spirit directed by the Word down that wisdom road so we grow in grace. Trust and follow Jesus down this road. He is your all in all. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 and 31, I'll quit with this. Because of Him, God, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that as it is written, let one who boasts... Boast in the Lord. Boast in Him. Trust in Him. Follow Him. He will lead you in the right way all the way home. To live is Christ. Yes. Getting better and better. Let's pray. Lord, help us to live on our knees before your cross. In gratitude for your sacrifice to us, believing in your sacrifice, knowing that we've been cleansed from our sin, that we've been declared righteous, that we are in you righteous and and adopted and hidden, united to you, that we are seated in the heavenly places, that we are to set our mind on things above our memory verses, Lord. Help us to believe the good news. Help us to be in awe of your grace to us. May that cross produce in us a love for you by the Spirit working in our heart, giving us a new heart, a heart of faith, so that we love you, so that we delight in you, so that we trust you, so that we joyfully obey you. We know your word tells us, if we love you, said, Lord Jesus, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And John tells us the love of God is, is to keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. In other words, out of joy and delight and love, Help us to willingly be shaped by you in accord with your commandments, knowing that that is the path of righteousness, that that is the path of wisdom, to follow our Lord and Savior according to his word. Lord, for those of who are listening to me via here or through the live stream or recording, those of your children who know you but have tender hearts and their really convicted by this and sometimes made unsure when faith is challenged, I pray that you'd confirm, comfort, and strengthen them. Show them that they are your children and grow them in walking out of joyful love in devotion to you. Those who don't know you, even if they think they do, take that deception away. Help them to see that they're lost and in need of a Savior. Don't leave them there. Show them that the mercy and grace... That they need, is available in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant repentance and faith today, Lord. Grant growth in grace. Grant, build your kingdom, build your church through your word. May we be, by the work of your grace in our hearts and lives, truly wise, because the Spirit has worked wisdom in us. that we fear you we delight in your word we trust you and receive Christ as our savior and we walk the way he has walked help us to not forget this but to be examining ourselves to see if we be in the faith that's a biblical principle am I wise search us and show us Lord Lord Help us to rest in you. And those of us who know you, help us to rejoice in you and live for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.